Hi again, welcome back to China Manufacturing Decoded, the podcast from Sophie's. I'm Adrian Renault. Our CEO is with me as well as he often is. Hi, Renault. Hey, hi everybody. This week, what、yep. are we talking about? This week we are on episode one forty, by the way, and we're talking、mm-hmm. about how to protect your intellectual property. When you're developing and manufacturing products in Asia, probably with a bit of focus on China specifically as well, because everybody's heard about, you know, the risks of、uh, being copied in China,、mm-hmm. and especially with the with the speed they can do it and the infrastructure that they have、mm-hmm. in cities like Shenzhen, for example. So I guess、wow. you're going to talk about China a little bit more, but this is good advice for most countries. So I mean, you know, Vietnam, India. And wherever else、uh, you guys who are listening might be doing your manufacturing,、uh, this is a good one, right? So,、uh, and we often get asked this question by our customers as well, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's often one of the first questions. It's whenever they 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 speak with someone who's based、uh, in Asia, they they're always a bit guarded at the beginning, and they're like, "Well,、sure. you know."、Um, I'm a bit worried about people copying, you know, my product and da da da. So,、uh, you know, how how should I go about that and so on, right? And well, if that's a, it's on their mind, okay, fine, let's talk about it.、Uh, but、mm. just amazing people who don't have much experience, you know, like people who've been developing hardware products, working with with.、Um, Chinese, Vietnamese, Indian suppliers for 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 you know for ten or twenty years, they don't tend to worry about this. They know where the risks are. They know how to mitigate it. They sort of have an idea about that.、Uh, they accept part of the risk, and they 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 might have a specific strategy to to cope with it. But people who come to it for the first time, they're like, wow, you know, they, they tend to be quite worried about it, and and with with a lot、mm. of misconceptions. So、uh, maybe we can.、Uh, We can wave some of these misconceptions today, hopefully. Yeah. So, what we should probably go through are some of your main tips, some of your main pieces of advice、mm-hmm. that、uh, that everybody can consider when thinking about IP、mm-hmm. protection.、Uh, this is something that we've written about before on Sophies. dot com.、Uh, there's actually a really good guide that we wrote:、uh, IP protection in China when developing your new product. And I will leave the link to that guide and loads of other stuff that we've spoken about and written about in the show notes to this episode. So,、mm-hmm. just off、right. the top of the episode. If this is something that you are concerned about, definitely check the show notes this time because there's going to be a lot of extra reading and listening to do, right? But、um, but for today,、mm-hmm. let's just go through some of your major pieces of advice. So let's so, kick it off then. Well, the first thing is really don't be consumed by these thoughts and 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 don't just think, oh, it's China, so it's especially dangerous. Because a lot of the time, <laughs>、mm-hmm. the people who are actually behind the initiative to copy your product are other companies in your country. They、mm-hmm. know they, they see the market, they see your product, they like it, they get some samples, they bring it to their, to, they, or maybe they look for a new Chinese supplier, or you know. But usually, if they want to go fast, they want the and 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 cheap, 
they go to China, which is one of the reasons everybody thinks of China for IP protection, but it's not always Chinese people and Chinese companies that take the initiative. Sometimes it's, um, you know, USA company, German company, whatever, right? And um, and they, they, they go to, to China because it's fast, especially if it's in electronics, it's going to be usually in Shenzhen, Dongguan, Huizhou, these, these kinds of places in the South. And um, mm. they're going to send some samples and say, well, can you do something specific, you know, like this, but maybe a bit different, uh, maybe change this into that and blah, blah, blah. And you, you put my logo on it, right? Um, <laughs> how to say? Um, very limited R&D expenditures here, <laughs> mm. right? Uh, just, just look at it, reverse engineer it, try to see if you can find what components they use and so on. Hopefully there's not too much uh, software to rewrite and it's a lot of free R&D and let's piggyback on it and then um, let's get fast on the market even if it's a bit of a crappy product. Um, let's, you know, they have their own strategies, right? So sometimes yeah. the initiative, the initiative are really the people committing the, the theft, if I may say, or, or doing a little bit too much uh, flattery by imitation mm. um, is it, not Chinese people or Chinese companies, okay? And there's, there's bad people like this everywhere. It's not just in China, okay? No. I mean, the, as we're recording this, I saw the news one or two days ago, the vice president of the EU commission has been arrested in Belgium for corruption, you know. Oh, um, yeah, I saw that. What, what about uh, in the US, the, the FTX uh, debacle, you know, in the crypt- cryptocurrencies, when you look into this, it's just crazy. And then mm. uh, last month, it was um, the lady from Terranas. That was just another humongous scandal. Mm. Okay, so there, there are unethical people everywhere. Okay, you get to, they they reward them for that in the UK, by the way. <laughs> well, sometimes, but but these days they um, talking about the UK. The, a lot of people did unethical things in the 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 PPE uh, craze in early twenty twenty, oh, selling yeah. some some pretty crappy masks and and so on. You know, doing false declarations and so on. And now. Uh, it seems like the government is going to go after them and check them Maybe. and some of them. Maybe. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not convinced. We'll see. <laughs> happening a little bit already. Um, so, the uh, and yes, yeah, sometimes you really have the feeling that there's a lot of impunity. But anyway, uh, yeah. my point is there's unethical people everywhere. Now, China has a little bit of their own culture around that. And they actually tend to say that if they imitate and you know doing do it in their own way and uh, maybe simplify it maybe improve it a little bit maybe sometimes they add one or two features and they remove some others and so on and in the west we would say well this is a blatant copy you know with with some uh, adjustments but really they are you know they um, it's way too similar in and in china there's a little bit of a cultural element that hey you know we actually helped improve the product uh, you know, the wool um, shanzai, they call it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, there's a little bit of that going on in China, yes. And also in China and especially in Shenzhen, there are companies that specialize in spotting the hot new products and um, making a basically a copy, but usually a downgraded copy, a cheaper yep. copy. Uh, less advanced and so but very fast mm. put it on the market maybe half the price 
to to and and yes, it's very painful, very very painful for the companies that develop the product. Uh, the let's say the American startup that spent a lot of time thinking about it and so on, mm. and then they have these guys in front of them uh, at half the price, positioning themselves in social media and everywhere. So whenever someone searches for their brand name, uh, they, they will also find these guys at half mm. the price. I mean, it can really suck the win out of the. Uh, their, their marketing campaign for sure. They're out of that sure. lounge. So it's very, very painful. Okay. And it's true that we don't really see that, you know, in India or in Eastern Europe or in Mexico and so on. Right. So, but, 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 but why is that? Right. Because there's just so many, you know, small and medium manufacturing companies that are very entrepreneurial in China. So mm. I don't see it as, um, um, proof that Chinese companies are dishonest, okay? Now, we can say that based on other proofs probably, but 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 I would say not, not from that angle here. It's just that there's so many um, entrepreneurial, you know, agile, if you want, companies that can do it. And then mm. out of these thousands of companies, well, you're going to have, you know, five or 10 or 20 that get to specialize in this kind of stuff. But it's just, just mm. the same as, the companies in the USA that specialize in making bogus parts for uh, airplanes, right? Yeah. And, um, and this became such a problem in the 80s. I mean, they even found bogus parts on Air Force One. You, you know, it mm. gets so widespread everywhere in the industry. And of course, it caused some uh, some major accidents. It's been uh, reported quite widely that that, mm. that become a, became a big problem. And then the regulators stepped in and so on. But again, uh, let's not be specifically, you know, hard on the Chinese here. It's just that's the way it is. But you know, don't don't be insulted, you know, based on that anyway. You know, and, uh, <laughs> uh, versus Chinese people. Well, I, I think as well when you're putting a new product on the market, you've got to come to the realization and the acceptance that people are going to tear it down. And what happens when a product teardown goes too far and somebody and somebody thinks, well, this has got so many great ideas, I'm going to, you know, utilize them all. And rather than having a flattering copy of your product, it almost ends up with with uh, a copycat product. And, you know, it's going to happen, isn't it? You, you can't you can't mm-hmm. control that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Exactly. And again, the initiative for copying you know, you might see a product that comes from China, but, um, you know, who is really at the origin of the initiative is not always Chinese people. So yeah. another issue is that people tend to speak with lawyers, which is not a bad idea, of course, but they tend to, how to say, they tend to take what lawyers say, especially intellectual property lawyers, especially patent lawyers, you know, mm. at face value and say, okay, this is going to be such a differentiator. You know, I'm going to put whatever, $50,000 into this, try to get a utility patent, otherwise, you know, design patent, and then I'm going to register it in several countries and I'm going to do also trademarks and so on and so forth. And you, you, you're digging a, a hole in your finances for a product mm that you don't even know would be successful or not. So, you know, an idea without execution, even if it's brilliant, is worth nothing. So first, you got to go through market research. 
proper market research, talking, actually talking to people, showing them some some mock-ups or something, uh, getting some feedback. And you get to do it to refine your idea. And then maybe at one point you need to do a bit of, a bit more quantitative, uh, you know, of a quantitative survey uh, and show some price points and so on. And and you need to mm. talk to people. You need to get some feedback, even show it to distributors and so on. Now, as long, I will say this, as long as you don't put it on a, a website like Indiegogo or Kickstarter or even on YouTube, um, chances are slim that people will see it and want to copy you. Chances are quite slim. Mm. Um, now, if you do put it on, on Indiegogo or Kickstarter and then you raise a lot of money, you know <laughs> some Chinese companies are getting to work on it. You know, you, you can bet on it, okay? <laughs> um, uh, earlier today, someone in the team showed me there's a, a cool... It's like a ring. Um, they made sure it's not classed as a medical device. They don't say anything that can can uh, cause it to be classed as a medical device. But they say, you know, like uh, just money, sort of track your biometrics, you know, the heart rate and your sleep and this and this and that. And they called it ultra human. And, uh, and they, <sighs> they made a very, very cool video and so on, right? And they raised a bunch of money. And then immediately I say, well, there's 20 companies in Shenzhen that are making the same thing now, you know, developing it. And I give them three months and they're going to start, um, you know, shipping some of them, even if it's crappy. Right. Yep. So, <laughs> but these guys, ultra human, they've been working on it for about two years now. And if they do everything properly, you know, step by step, maybe they, they got a final prototype, but that's it. They're still maybe getting some tooling made and then they're going to do some, some proper PVT, uh, um, uh, you know, DVT and PVT, like basically some pilot runs and, 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 and so on before going into mass production. And then they're going to ship it maybe, but probably by air because it's going to be fast with such a small product, but they might mm. not even be the first to market. Right. So if you do that, that's great for market research, but you, um, you are putting your, your, you, you know, the copycats to work immediately. So you need mm. to be very, very careful, very careful with that. Now, maybe they, they're going to build their brand and then people are just going to buy the ultra human one or whatever and not, not the one that's um, half the price that pop up, pops up on, on AliExpress, Amazon and so on. Right. Um, but it's, it's probably going to, eat some of their market share for sure oh yeah it can be confusing so, oh yeah yeah also because yeah, you get all of like, these similar products and even if you want to buy mm -hmm. the let's say original one it, sometimes mm -hmm. it's actually quite hard especially when they're on a platform like amazon yes that's correct some people will get confused um some people will ask you know is it worth paying 250 bucks or i can get this one for 100 bucks What's, yeah. the, what's the difference, you know? And some people are going to make uh, YouTube videos to compare them. And actually, they're going to say, well, this one, if you just need this and this, well, the, the cheap one is, is just as good, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Because these YouTube reviewers, they have no idea if it's still going to be working in six months. They just check it right right here, right now. And um, and they get, they, 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 maybe they get sent a few nice samples that they 
the review and they don't know what the average quality is going to be like and so on, right? So, and this will, will, will hurt the brand. So market research is good. Crowdfunding, um, if you do it too early, you might not be the first to market. Now, if you do it when you've already got your tooling done and you, you're gearing up for mass production and really you have eliminated um, most of the risks and you've done most of the financing of everything, yeah. But then do you still need to do crowdfunding? Maybe not if you've already financed mm-hmm. your tooling, right? So be quite careful with um, these sort of vanity websites where you you know you say, oh, yeah. I raised three hundred thousand dollars. You know, look at that, and we got a big brand, and a lot of distributors are going to contact us and everything. Yeah, but you get 10, 10, 10 companies or twenty companies in Shenzhen already uh, building the same products. So, right. So, so, so you've got to know when you've got to know when to pull the trigger, and I guess that's difficult as a if you're if you're less experienced of bringing new products to market. That's that's one of the difficult decisions to make, isn't it? Absolutely. So. Again, if you do things um, in a smart way, which the first time you will probably not do, but <laughs> if you listen to people who've been doing it a few times, they will tell you, you know, this is the way to do customer development or whatever, you know, so market research and, and like collecting data and, and, and like iterating based on the, the feedback and zeroing in on a certain demographic or interests or, or whatever, finding yeah. a way such as, Facebook and things like that. Yeah, sorry, I hate Facebook, but uh, sometimes it's uh, it's a good uh, it's a good it's a good medium for that. Yeah. Um, and and you you test that and you 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 collect a lot of data to, uh, and then you 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 kind of put it in a, a market research um, report or something, and you show it to investors. You know, uh, investors who know what they're doing, who who know what what it is to. Um, to launch a successful hard, hardware uh, startup, mm. we recognize a lot of value in that. It will uh, show them that there's much less risk than uh, most other other startups at that stage of development. And then the great thing about that is that you can raise money from investors more easily and hopefully you you manage to do it and you don't need to go through Kickstarter, Indiegogo and so on. And by the way, People tend to overestimate the success rate, the real success rate. You know, the, the success story of I put twenty thousand dollars in to get the nice campaign set up, and and um, I, I I did not spend anything on advertisement, and I got two hundred thousand dollars out of it. You know, this is mm. like five percent of the time. Uh, you know, at best, it seems these days. So it got much harder to to pull that off. Okay, it's really pay pay for play. Um, you see people who raised half a million dollars, but maybe they maybe they put um, hundred and fifty thousand dollars in ads behind it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and and still they might consider it a success, right? Uh, if there's like they have rules of thumb like this, like one dollar in ads for maybe four dollars in in uh, in sales and so on. If you price it correctly, you can you can you you can be doing okay. If you price too low, which is a very common mistake, you might go out of business with that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, another big uh, warning here. So, where was I going with this? You got to do market research in a smart way, uh, without being too visible, uh, if if possible. And only when 
some people who are not in love with your product, you know, not you, not your co-founders, not someone who just saw it, oh, yeah, I love it. No, no. Several people who are not really passionate about it, just analyze it and have a lot of comparison points will tell you, well, here, yeah, it's really get um, high chances of success. You've really done a nice job. Uh, you've de-risked it as much as you could and so on. At that point, okay, you know, talk to the lawyers, see how you can protect your IP, okay? But yeah, don't 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 go for it first thing, because you you might uh, design and then and then you start to do design for manufacturing and you see you need to evolve it and then you see that one of the components you picked went out of you know end of life and then you need to change your design again and so on and so forth, mm. and then you you're gonna well you're gonna apply for the patent again <laughs> so you're going to pay again and again every time you do design changes this is insane right but some people do it um and then they 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 go out of business um you know very fast with this kind of uh of of, of bad decisions this is really a risk now mm. people are, have a lot of questions about ip rights because they know that investors will ask questions about it now Investors will ask, you know, oh, and um, okay, but what about in China? They will make it, maybe they can make it half the price. You know, how do you prevent them from doing that? Um, and uh, like, blah, 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 do you have protection for your IP? How can you, you know, sort of build a fortress, run your product? And again, investors who do not know this space might think it's very important. Now, mm. they are not smart money. These guys will not provide you with good advice. Uh, investors who know what it takes to to, uh, to launch a hardware startup successfully will ask you these questions, but they just want to see if you understand the risks and if you have a little bit, a little bit of a plan around it. But if you say, well, we thought about it and we decided not to do, uh, not to register a patent for this, whatever. Now we're working hard to get the final prototype ready without uh, burning too much money and we're working at the, at the same time on, on market research this way and that way and my plan uh, to avoid getting copied is to avoid going crowdfunding this is why i'm approaching you now uh so that we can finance the tooling and mass production and 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 yada 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 well if you get a good plan and good explanations the discerning and experienced and uh, relevant investor will say great these guys are, you know, these are, these guys are a strong founding team. They know what they're doing, and this project already has a lot less risk than other other projects in the same um, uh, the same stage of development. Yeah. So, investors ask questions, <laughs> and and friends and family and and advisors ask questions, but it doesn't mean. You know, and they might say, do you have a patent or whatever? If they don't have all the experience, uh, you know, um, of, of pulling out this kind of venture, do not listen to them. They they are just asking if you have a plan to avoid falling victim to, to copycats. They are not actually asking for a, a registration of, of, of patents. Now, trademarks are another another issue. It's much cheaper and it, it it does help, especially in your country. Yeah, try to think of a 
a nice name uh, that people can remember, et cetera, et cetera, and, and, uh, and try to, to register a trademark. You might also want to do it in China, or maybe you wait until the first signs of success and then right away you, you, you snap it. Uh, that, that makes more sense than a patent. Okay. Yep. Um, so that, that, that's a huge misconception that, uh, yeah, that really plagues a lot of people's, um, decision making process. Mm-hmm. Another piece of advice. <laughs> some people want to create a category, you know, and they say, well, my product does this, you know, and they think it's smart to, uh, to give it a, like a category name, uh, you know, and and maybe they 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 make it part of their product name. Do not do that. Hmm. If a copycat in Shenzhen wants to go after you and wants to be found when people search for your product name, then they will put the same sort of category name in their product name. Now, definitely do not do that. I, I'm not sure if I um, actually there's one example. Um, um, it was a, a nice smart. Uh, accessory for cameras okay um they called it rapid filtering system uh, so you could uh, you could set it up uh, on the opening of the the, the camera uh, and 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 then you could like opening or close it very very fast to add a filter or remove the filter and then they called it rfs rapid filtering system and then they uh, they had their brand name and then after the brand name they had rfs and then they had a, a copycat from yeah from Shenzhen uh, sell their own RFS product, <laughs> right? Too mm. bad. And then people searching in Google, YouTube, and so on RFS. Then they all found the comparisons because these copycats in Shenzhen, they, they the ones that are most um, savvy about it, they will send some samples to some YouTubers or bloggers. Uh, they will pay them even a little bit to uh, to get mentioned. They send some free samples, maybe they pay a bit, and then they get mentioned, you know, brand A versus brand B comparison, you know. And then whenever you do a Google search for brand A, then you found these uh, these blog posts and these YouTube videos. Boom. You know, mm-hmm. and that's that's how they steal a lot of your, lot of your market share. And that's how they create confusion, as you were mentioning. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it does. And, and, and in that case, the similar product, shall we say, was uh, a lot cheaper, right? So people were seeing it a lot more. Right. It had a lot more hype and a, a lot more buzz and it was cheaper. So people were, right. they just didn't buy the, they didn't buy the product. Right, right. And the American company went out of business mm. um, because of that. Uh, in very good part, very, for the most part. Yeah. Now you, you, just some basics you need to do, right? Discuss your product idea with somebody. You get them to sign the, the proper agreement. And if, you know, it's not just about non-disclosure. It's also about non-use, non-circumvention, meaning that they should not use the idea themselves to do anything with it. And yeah. they should not. And then if it's for a potential supplier, yeah, non-circumvention, like they might learn who your customers are, for example. So uh, they should not go around you, right? Circumvent you. So this is not just about China, you know, in an agreement. And we, we covered it in a previous uh, podcast. Yes. Um, 
So um, th this is a basic. And if it's in China, you got to make sure it's the proper template, uh, mm. you know, for enforcement in China, right? If it's Hong Kong company, Singapore company, and so on, uh, common English, common law system, um, you know, as long as they, they their country enforces um, the judgments in your country. Well, I'm not a lawyer, okay, so this is not advice. Yeah. <laughs> but it's probably, it's probably still fine. Um, mm. you can, you might actually mention, okay, you're in Hong Kong, then we do it with litigation in Hong Kong, you know, so if they do something, you can quickly go to court in their country and then enforcement will tend, you know, it will be easier to have a swift enforcement, let's say, mm. okay. uh, rather than in another country and then for to get their, their country to enforce the judgment from another country and everything, then of course, so it's a little bit, um, more complicated right away, right? And in China, you really want it to be enforced in China, especially if you're an American company, because China does China Chinese courts do not enforce the judgments from USA courts, uh, at mm. least for the most part, from what I understand. <laughs> so you got to pay attention to that. Again, not a bad idea to talk to lawyers. So this is a basic. And then when you talk to a supplier. You, you get to have a product development agreement. And this also, we mentioned it and we we, we went through that in a previous podcast episode. Yeah. Um, but, you, you know, who is going to pay for what? What are the milestones going to be? Um, you know, um, what, what, what are the, the, the validation and verification steps that would be required? Uh, who's going to pay for the tooling? Uh, you know, Will you have all the latest files in, in native format, like right away after their engineers do any kind of work? Or, you know, are, are you going to finance everything or are they going to finance a part of it? And then mm. what do they get out of it? You know, so um, basically this comes back to um, what we call the, the Western approach versus Chinese approach. So in the West, Maybe you go to a design house and you just pay them for the design and you go to a contract manufacturer and then you say, okay, this is the design, this is this and this, okay. Um, maybe we need to pay you a bit to do some of the validation and some of the design for manufacturing adjustments and so on. Um, but you do the work, you don't own anything and then we can change, uh, we can go to another contract manufacturer anytime, right? As long as we mm -hmm. pay you for the work you do. Okay, this is the, the Western approach and this is how we work with our clients. Now, in China, if you don't discuss this, then by default, it will be the Chinese model, even if you deal with, with Western companies. <laughs> um, so they will not bill you at the beginning for some of the work they do. Maybe they bill you for some of it, but not all. But then at one point, you will ask some questions and you will see that you cannot get an answer, right? Mm. Um, oh, just this morning in, in email, a client has some, um, some, some issues with silicon product that cannot be uh, specific, uh, but they, yeah. they, they put it on the market and then they, they, they found that uh, it's got some reliability issues. Then they ask us to look at the design and, uh, okay, where do these problems come from? And then we say, okay, well, 
you know, send us the, the design file. So they, they get the design files. Okay, not too bad. Um, you know, at least they have that and they sent it to us. And then we say, okay, and what's the silicon that they use? Was the specifications of the silicon or, you know, what mm. silicon was used? And then the supplier told our client, oh, sorry, you know, I cannot give you that information. Why not? Well, you know, that's the way it works here. Why? Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> sorry, you know, we can't tell you this information. Um, and 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 basically, I think it's even worse than that. I think she's working with a trading company that is buying things from a Chinese manufacturer that would not even tell the trading company, you know, uh, mm. what silicon it is. So she would never get that information. Uh, but if she worked directly with the the, the, the Chinese manufacturer, it would be the same. They would say, "No, sorry, you know, it's." It's like a business secret, <laughs> yeah. Right? It's it's your product, sort of, uh, sort of. Until it isn't, but we won't tell you. Yeah. Right? And it raises so, all kinds of questions uh, about compliance and so on. I mean, it's not oh, just about no intellectual property. Right? So, um, that's the Chinese model. You need to clarify mm. this. Where I was going with that is, yeah, you you get to 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 ask the right questions and say, okay, this is the way I want to work and make sure it's clear, black and white in an agreement that is signed by the, by, by, by the supplier. Right. Yep. Otherwise, ouch, high risks, <laughs> high mm. risks. Uh, and, uh, if, and if they won't, that's a major red flag because you're opening yourself up to problems in the future. But maybe a lot of uh, importers might blindly sort of go into it and just be like, oh, yeah, well, okay, it's, everything's sort of going along well at the moment. Yeah, until it isn't. Exactly. And and you get a scenario like uh, with the silicon that you've just mentioned. Can I just jump in for a second here mm -hmm. as well and mention, mm -hmm. with regards to the agreements as well, I think this is becoming even more important these days with the regulations that are coming in regarding supply chain transparency. Yes, of course. Um, supply chain transparency so far is mostly a requirements that came up in various European countries, and now it, there's some regulations coming up coming out of the EU Commission uh, soon. Okay, it's been announced, and yes, you 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 need to have some information about your supply chain in the USA. It, it, you get something for about the um, forced labor in uh, a certain province of Western China, right? So yep. they are going after that. And in the U.S., mm. it's already in place. And the U.S. Um, Customs and Border Protection Agency has already blocked a lot of containers because they don't have the the proper, uh, you know, pieces of evidence that some of the components were not produced with labor, you know, with, with forced mm. labor from that Western province. That's, um, that is so far, you know, the only, uh, the only objective. Mm. Um, so it's, 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 it's a huge problem if you are in um, photovoltaic uh, solar panels. Um, it's becoming a big problem in uh, Garments or any textile products made of cotton. Uh, yeah. it, some food products also with um, uh, like dried tomatoes and so on. And yes. these days, uh, these days, some 
um, I think a, a professor from there's been a, some research in a university showing that actually a lot of the the car models have parts that may have been made with with forced labor in that context, mm. and you know that's opening a huge can of worms. So no idea yeah. where this is going. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. So it depends. But, but this is this is like a different. This is like a slightly different topic, but it. it, it it just mm-hmm. feeds into the importance of having those agreements where everything's in black and white and you know that your supplier is going to give you that information if you need it. Right. I mean, if not, generally it's not if you need it, it's, uh, you know, you request it and they give it to you right away before they change yes. their mind. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. Are you going to get a minimalist bill of material, which is just a list of the components without any, uh, further details or are you going to get visibility over the full bill of materials um, mm. basically the information that their purchasers uh, work with so that you can actually mm. identify who are the tier 2 suppliers you know? and, and few, uh, by default the Chinese model will um, completely hide that away from you right? so oh, yeah. if it's quite important for you if you've identified one or two critical components then maybe you can request that they buy these components from these suppliers and then at least you know these ones mm. but how about all the others right uh, and 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 really i would argue um if you want to own your product and you want to be able to have it manufactured anywhere and so on you've got to have this information because sometimes mm-hmm. one of the components is so critical. Maybe the um, you know you want the exact same surface finish or, or something like that. And if mm-hmm. you don't know where that's done, well, you're sort of uh, stuck with your your supplier. If you are stuck with your supplier, let me ask mm-hmm. you. You know, do you feel like it's your product? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you're forced to manufacture it in that place. Without these guys, you will not be able to get to the same result anymore. Well, is it your product? <laughs> yeah. You, you, you know, it's your product, and, but the supplier has some rights on it. Let's say it this way. So this goes back to transparency and so on. It's another kind of issue that comes from the same mistake of not signing the proper agreements uh, at the right time. Yes. Yeah, we diverge a little bit from protecting intellectual property to protecting your business interests basically but the two are obviously very very linked and right. yeah it's it's like if you have an issue with that supplier well can you pick up and say okay well guys we're going to move on and we're going to go and start working with supplier b now uh, and the answer is no <laughs> so right. uh you, you're kind of like trapped uh, are, are you at their mm-hmm. mercy are mm-hmm. they going to raise prices can you do anything about that so this is like essential admin, isn't it? Plus, it can it can lead to uh, intellectual property issues because the supplier, yeah. if they feel they're in a position of strength, well, they might actually make and sell some of your products, you know, through the back door in other supply chains and hope Indeed. that you never notice. Or maybe <laughs> they will say, well, we have no idea. It's another company that copied it. Mm. <laughs> right so you don't want them to feel like they they have any rights over the product basically mm. Mm. 
Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, these are these are you know a few a few topics that we wanted to cover today, and uh, the, yeah, there's going to be a lot more reading in the in the links that Adrian will uh, will uh, will include in in the show notes, right? Yes, I, I will indeed. Uh, a very entertaining episode and a, a very important topic. Uh, I like it. Very helpful. So once again, yeah, please check the show notes, guys, and there'll be plenty of uh, videos and written content and some of our earlier podcast episodes there as well on this topic. If you do have questions about things like uh, product development agreements and protecting IP in general, please feel free to reach out and ask us. We can offer some assistance with these matters, but as Renault says, we're not lawyers, so it is always ultimately good to speak to a lawyer who has experience with enforceable contracts in China or India or wherever it is that you're manufacturing to. Right, exactly. Yeah. Great. Okay, let's wrap it up, Renault. Thanks uh, to you and thanks to everybody to, for listening again. Oh, we're accelerating quickly towards Christmas now, but uh, we'll still have some more episodes coming uh, towards the end of this year and then into January as well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, to the listeners, well, um, how to say, politically correct uh, is um, happy holidays, right? No, that's absolutely true. Happy holidays. And uh, yeah, we, we'll probably be back uh, around the Christmas period anyway and, and the New Year period. So just look out for those podcasts popping up on your, wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophie's Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share, because it will really help others discover us too.